0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Jack's Corner. I'm Tarzan Bonanno, and again, sitting near me is our founder, Jack Figgle. Today is Jack's birthday, so everybody tell him happy birthday in the comments. But we're actually going back to our regularly scheduled program, and today we're going to be talking about how he got all the adult enrichment programs that Orientale Lumen provides. How you doing, Jack? Good, Tarzan. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. How are you today? I'm well. How are you on this fine birthday? Doing well. Yeah, doing well. Celebrating another one going by. All right. how do you want to start this one, Jack? Well,
1: I think... I always like to start at the beginning and tell the story of how the first one came about. Um, But there's even a, a prequel to that, That uh, ever since Oriental Illumin Number Two, we've been making. We had been making video recordings of the conference plenary sessions and liturgies with a wonderful family called the Northrops, who lived in the Midwest uh, and traveled the country, uh, recording religious conferences. Now those days. They started with what we used to do in all conferences, and that was have someone record them with high-quality audio equipment, go and manufacture cassette tapes in the back room with a tape-duplicator, and then sell them to the participants they could carry home and listen to any talk that they liked or all of them if they bought them all. And the Northern did that as a family ministry. And just traveled the the country. They homeschooled their kids, so the kids all piled in a van, and they drove off to whatever destination they were going to. And for the second Oriental Women Conference, June of 1998, they called me and said what they did, and they offered to come and do it. I thought it was a great idea because I had been doing that since the first conference when I pushed the tape button myself and duplicated the cassette tapes myself ship them out to people, and so forth. So um, having someone else come in and do it, at no cost to the conference, they made their money from how many tapes they sold. So that's how the whole recording business got started, was through the Northropes. And then they came for a few years. And when we went to Istanbul the first time, they offered to go long, but only... I said I could only afford uh, to have two of them go, because they said uh, they needed... Uh, Their airfare, taken care of. Yeah, remember this Um, part? Yeah. So so um, that all happened, and then uh, for Oriental Number Ten, when we were going to get greetings from the Cardinal in Rome and His All Holiness in Istanbul, where I flew over to record them, I bought video cameras to do it with. Uh, Shortly after that. We switched from the Northrop to doing the video recording ourselves with digital tape cameras. And shortly after that, um, I mentioned to Callistos one year when he didn't make it to the conference that I would uh, like to come to his residence in Oxford and video record him giving lectures. So that's how the whole idea of the adult enrichment lectures came about. Number one is. Titled "The Mystical Theology of the Eastern Fathers," uh, and uh, which was actually uh, our I very report, first episode. Yeah, it was our first episode. Is one of the most popular items on our streaming video channel, on our YouTube channel, in the podcast, <laughs> the podcast, and um, uh, also people who have bought. The CDs and DVDs over the years in physical discs—that's uh, the one we've sold the most. Uh, so it's uh, that was that was the first AE program, AE01, uh, and um, uh, it was a joy because uh, I, although i had been to his residence a few times, uh, I actually got to spend quite a bit of time with him, and um, I essentially flew to uh, England. For uh, the purpose of making the recording, uh, we agreed that I think we met like on a Thursday morning, uh, about ten o'clock. I stayed in a hotel around the corner from his from his uh, home uh, in Oxford. Uh, I think it's a Best Western. It's uh, only a few blocks away. So I would show up with all my cameras in a bag and tripods, and I'd go up in, into his uh, sitting room slash study and set up all the cameras aimed at his sitting chair uh, and positioned all of the furniture. He would, he would give me the reign of the room and said, set it up any way you want. And as I've seen since then, he actually, I think, did this quite a bit with lots of different video recordings. Uh, I see all kinds of YouTube recordings of him sitting in that same chair that I did not make. So lots of people have gone in there and, uh, and, and done the same thing. Uh, the uh, the room itself is uh, most interesting. Um, have,
0: have I mentioned that it's his personal library? You've mentioned to me that it's his personal library. It's obviously never been brought up in the podcast, though. And uh, it's, oh, I don't know, maybe a 15 by 15 square room is
1: the main space in his residence, which is the second floor Uh, it's a it's a condo in an old house that he owns and uh, or he owned uh, uh, and uh, every wall except the windows are lined with bookshelves and uh, I commented to him that there were so many books looking all around the room uh, you know three sides with just the window wall and every other square inch literally from floor to ceiling in their tall ceiling rooms, uh, well over my head, could not reach the top shelf without some sort of a step stool. And I said to him, Oh, your are grace so many books. And his quip back to me was, ah yes, but you can only see the half of them.
0: <laughs> you because know it's they funny. Were double shelves.
1: They were double shelves and behind each book was another book. <laughs>
0: It's funny, though. I don't know if it's the same in England, but he, in America, if you have a thousand books, you can register to become a li- like an actual library. So <laughs> that's funny that he had so many books. Um, oh, I've never heard of that. I'm I'm
1: going to have to look into it, because I think I've got a library downstairs that's got a thousand books in it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Scott Hahn, uh, he, he has a actual library in his in his house, so that's funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, and, I've, and I've published 300 titles with Eastern Christian Publications. So there's 300 there, plus all the other books I've acquired over the years. I, I might have over 1,000 titles. So one of these days, when I have time, I'll go make a list of them all.
0: <laughs> and then uh, become Eastern, Eastern Christian Library. Yeah, why not? That's another venture for... Oriental sure.
1: other Another part of my enterprises that lead to the church. Um, in fact, it is in my will that all of my signature books and the primary uh, books from that library are going to go to the Byzantine Catholic Seminary in Pittsburgh, to their library. Uh, and they've agreed to create a bookcase with my name on it where all my books will go. A lot of priests do that they donate their libraries to the seminary. Um, but there's about 30 of mine that were signed by the author. Um, my signature uh, shelf that I have in my dining room, not in the regular library, uh, that I get to show people. And then I have one signature book, Tarzan, have I ever told you about my, uh, the, uh, uh, the guest book that I have? So some years ago, uh, Metropolitan Ticon, uh, the new primate of the Orthodox Church in America uh, came one day for lunch. Uh, in fact, it was Old Calendar Christmas. He was in town celebrating liturgy for the Old Calendar folks down at the St. Nicholas Orthodox Cathedral on Massachusetts Avenue. And the priest suggested that he stop by to see my operation. And I just happened to have made chicken soup that day, which is a big popular thing at Christmas time for the Slavs. Uh, my grandmother's old recipe, and when I told him I had chicken soup, although he's not a Slav, he's a convert, he, you know, welcomed the idea of having something light because he was on the road back to New York, uh, and didn't want a heavy meal, and he just had liturgy, so he was hungry. Uh, so we sat and had some chicken soup, and he said, "Where's your uh, guest book for me to sign?" And I asked him what he meant. He said, "Well, churches have a gospel book on the altar." and that when a visiting bishop is there they sign the gospel book on the altar and when you go to a church you can always go and see what bishops have visited by those that have signed their gospel book and he said you should do that here too and i thought that was a great idea so i had a special edition of the basil lawson gospel book that was published in the 70s that has the full text of scripture in it not just the readings that we hear and uh, so he said, oh, that'll be perfect. So I got that down and just inside the cover uh, in big script, he made a little message and signed it, Metropolitan of the Orthodox Church in America. And so I've kept that up. And I now have, I think, I uh, just got one this weekend from um, Bishop Francois, the new bishop for the Melkites. He came to visit Friday. Uh, and uh, I think I'm up to at least a dozen, if not maybe 15 or more bishops who have signed in. A few of them I can't read because they wrote in either Ukrainian or Slovak and there's a signature I can't read. I just know that's the one. And it was Patriarch Gregorius because the signature is backwards. He wrote it in Arabic.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. All right. so... So... so AE01
1: started um the first of the series and uh AE just was my you know shortcut for adult enrichment. I didn't want to call it I consciously didn't want to call it adult education because that's what the catechism folks do, but I thought adult enrichment was a was a good phrase. Um but of course it's all gotten abbreviated just AE. And then I just start numbering them sequentially, one, two, three, four. Uh, And so that's the chronological order in which they were created. There's no other organization to them. Uh, And I think the last number I assigned to one of those packages was number 80. Uh, 80 sounds like a lot, but it's even more when you consider that every one of those packages has between six and ten Lectures to it,
0: yeah. And we just finished uh, publishing uh, the first one, AE01, uh, Metropolitan Callistus Ware, and the second AE AE02 will start. Uh, will have started Thursday for those listening. <laughs> and that was by
1: that was by Robert Taft, I believe, on the history of the liturgy.
0: Yep. Uh, the Formation of Byzantine liturgy
1: Yeah, yeah um, And so um, if You multiply 80 times even just six uh, that's nearly 500 lectures and uh, videos that I've recorded uh, since I started this at OL 10 uh, in the year I think 2006 Yeah. So Been been going at this uh, What's that now? Uh, Eighteen years?
0: Something. Yeah,
1: 16, uh, 2006 to 2024. 20, uh, anyway, a long time. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm working on two more right now. Uh, one is the uh, visit of Bishop Neal and Bishop Kurt Burnett to my parish on Sunday. They had a hierarchical a liturgy. And with Bishop Neal here, from the Transcarpathian sector of Ukraine, uh, I thought it was uh, a historic event for us to record. Uh, he's in the middle of the war, and uh, having him at our parish uh, was a, you know, exciting event. And then last week, I was, or the week before rather, I was recording the uh, assembly of all of the uh, Ruthenian Catholics in America up in Hillsboro, New Jersey, and they had. Uh, a dozen or so talks, and a few prayer services that I've already recorded, and I'm in the process of editing, so those will get some AE numbers here when they're done. (laughs) Yes. But the AE programs are, I'd probably guess, a little more than 50% strictly lectures. Um, About 25% roughly are plenary sessions from Oriental Illumin conferences. Uh, through the years, uh, which also makes some lectures, for the most part. And then another 25% of them are uh, various travels that I've made where the individual uh, discs within each package are different liturgies, uh, from a pilgrimage here or a trip there. And um, so each one is is identified. Some of the more interesting ones over the years um, was uh, the meeting of the Eastern Catholic Bishops of, of Europe? Um, oh, I don't know. Before COVID, maybe eight years ago, uh, when I was invited to be one of their speakers, and um, then the bishop and I, who was in charge of it, the uh, Bishop Libluchina, who was then the Ukrainian Catholic Bishop of London, uh, he and I talked about. I said, "Well." if I'm coming to be a speaker, why don't I just bring my cameras and I can record everything for you? And he said, oh, terrific, that'd be great. So, uh, but then he said, there's a wrinkle in that it's gonna be multilingual. Um, And that they were using a facility where the back of the room had soundproof booths uh, with a microphone system so that people in the audience, in the uh, auditorium could put microphones on, dial in a channel, and listen to the speaker in whatever language they understood. Uh, and I think the uh, the three languages that were being used were English, Ukrainian, and Italian. And uh, between those three, everyone who was attending could understand one of them. Uh, so I had to not only record uh, the speaker with multiple video angles, I also had to put a camera and uh, an audio pickup inside of each of the booths so that I had the different language translations to be able to make an Italian set of disks and a Ukrainian set of disks along with the English um, for those who wanted that, you know, uh, that language.
0: So what but you're saying is there's an, med- A-E- there's an AEI, Eldal Enrichment Italian? <laughs>
1: um, no, it's not. I didn't do did that, but I think I, I made three different numbers. For each of the three languages, um, and then the the liturgies themselves, I just they were not translated, so they're what in whatever language they were being served in, and uh, and of course they changed languages, you know, for different prayers within the service. So I just recorded them. So there's one package of just the prayer services, um, but the most exciting uh, well, there were two exciting things about that. Particular AE package. Uh, one was that I was a speaker, so I had to turn all the cameras on and then go up and be introduced at the podium as the speaker. Uh, and so I had four cameras from four different angles aimed at me giving the talk. Uh, so I sort of thought of that as the ultimate selfie. <laughs> Not only was I video recording myself, but I was video recording myself four times over. That's funny. Uh, So I got lots and lots of pictures of myself at the podium, literally, because every video has thirty frames per second. Okay, which is thirty pictures a second. You multiply that times a thirty-minute lecture, and you you can quickly get to hundreds of thousands of pictures.
0: Yes. If you put them all. Of
1: course, they're almost all the same, but yeah. Um, the other exciting recording for that particular event, the highlight, the other highlight of the week was that we had a Byzantine liturgy in the Catholic Westminster Cathedral. There's the Protestant one, which is the head of the Anglican Church.
0: Which is web, a Westminster
1: public. Abbey. Yeah, is the Anglican. Mm-hmm. At Westminster Cathedral is the Catholic. Yep. So we were in Westminster Cathedral, big, huge cathedral, uh, three, 4,000 people inside. And I was given permission by the Ukrainian bishop, who got permission from the uh, Diocese of Westminster, the Archbishop, who is the president of the Catholic bishops of, of England. Uh, we received permission from that office to do a video recording of the liturgy. And they told me it was the first time that that was ever going to happen, ever, 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 because of the contract that the choir of that church had with a recording company. The BBC was not permitted to video record any service in that cathedral.
0: Because of a record label is what you're saying.
1: Well, because because any music that they sang was copyrighted by the record label and so no one else could record that choir singing.
0: And yet so you got in there and you got recordings.
1: That's right. So I'm the only as far as I know, uh, I'm the only uh, organization that's been permitted to officially video record in that cathedral. And it was because, number one, it was a Ukrainian liturgy, and number two, the choir singing was the Ukrainian Catholic choir.
0: And it was unrelated Um, to the actual, normal Westminster Cathedral Choir.
1: Exactly. So there was no restriction. And uh, I set up four cameras, and I walked around with a fifth, and uh, I produced the uh, video. I had to make a special version of it and master it onto a PAL compatible DVD because the DVD standard of Europe is different than the American standard. Mm-hmm. It's called NTSC. So I had to make a PAL master and then Bishop Plib ordered 200 copies of that recording uh, that I arranged to be made uh, and uh, delivered to him over in England. Uh, and so uh, I think he sent one to every uh, Catholic Bishop of Europe, not just the Eastern Bishops, but all of them. You got uh, any American and, uh, copies? I do, uh, and they're on our OLTV channel. And uh, I think I, I i say I did a pretty good job because I had cameras spread all over the place uh, in the cathedral, even in interesting places like I walked up and on top of the sacristy uh, inside this enormous cathedral, I positioned one of my little cameras on a little tripod aimed at the throne so that I had a close-up shot of um, Archbishop Svatoslav presiding from the parts of the liturgy where he's at the throne. And then I had another one aimed at the altar so that I had close-up shots of all the things that took place at the altar. And then in the, the editing room, uh, there's lots of film on the floor because I cut and pasted and and you know only showed the view i wanted and it looked like i had a full camera crew of five or six people and it was only just me mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. movie movie editing magic
1: yep yep i also did something like that when the ukrainian catholic synod uh had their annual meeting in washington they had the first half in philadelphia then they had the second half of their meeting here in Washington and went and had uh, a divine liturgy with Cardinal Hussard, uh as the main celebrant uh, when he was still alive uh, at the Ukrainian National Shrine of the Holy Family in downtown DC. And I did the same. I set up cameras all around, uh, walked around in my cassock so I could have access anywhere I, I needed to go. And then I edited uh, the final Liturgy into a, a multi-angled, you know, uh, kind of kind of uh, e- event. Uh, that one's just a special event on the side. It's not part of an AE package. So I got I got a bunch of those too. But back to AE packages. Um, after I started the first one with Callistos, uh, I think the next year or a year after, uh, Robert Taft, the well-known a Byzantine liturgist from Rome, uh, was uh, here at an OL conference, and when he came from Rome, uh, because it was summertime, he had he had spare time, so he'd either come a few days early or stay a few days longer. He stayed here at my house, uh, had one of my guest rooms, and uh, it was a lot easier for him to travel and take his time. And uh, so on one of those trips, I said to him, Father Robert, would you Would you mind reading some of your speeches uh, in front of the camera, some of your essays and things you published about the history and the theology uh, and the spirituality of the liturgy? And he said, oh, of course, I'd be happy to. So we'd spend several hours um, in my basement, my library, with him sitting in front of all the books uh, and uh, video recording him uh, on all his talks. And then I organized them into the three main groups, and I think uh, your next the the next uh, podcast series is going to be uh, Father Taft on the history of the liturgy. Yeah, yeah. Again, that uh,
0: for the people listening began Thursday.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that'll be our next our next set of six or seven. Um, the The interesting thing to to comment uh, is um, the two different styles in which. Callistos and Taft did these videos. Um, Callistos would, uh, in in the case of the Fathers, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but he would either have uh, a a folder of notes from a course that he taught at Oxford University that he told me he never was going to have time to publish as a formal paper, but he was happy to record them for me. So they are lectures from Oxford that, that he never published in hard copy, um, and he would sit with the, the file on his lap. Uh, he'd spend five minutes leafing through it, shuffling papers around as if to sequence them. But I think all he was doing was sequencing them in his mind because when he started to talk, he never referred to them and he would just speak for 45 minutes to the camera. On whatever the subject was, and uh, as I told some people, uh, his spoken word has better grammar in it than most people's written word. (laughs) Uh, He just spoke. He spoke in perfect sentences. He had a a specific cadence to the way he lectured, and he applied that to the videos. And so, some folks at his at his parish told me on one of my trips because they saw me a lot, they got to know me. They said, "Jack." Thank you for recording them. Not only are you capturing his wisdom, but you're capturing his personality, uh, I think it's and you're capturing he
0: was a teacher and an Englishman. <laughs>
1: that's right, and and he was a, a, a an Oxford don for forty years, uh, so he perfected uh, that technique. on the On the opposite end of the spectrum was Robert Taft, where uh, he wrote out his entire talk and had them completely, you know, scripted. Uh, And at the beginning, we attempted for him to read them off of a homemade teleprompter, uh, rather than him holding pieces of paper in his hand. Uh, I thought, let's see if we can get by by making it look like, uh, you know, he's actually giving this talk uh, without notes, but It didn't really quite work. Uh, The teleprompter uh, was simply a computer screen that I projected through a two-way mirror system and with a half-glass mirror in front of him with the camera behind. So you didn't see the video text that he was reading, but I had to stand there and hit the mouse button to advance every page. I had to convert them all into white lettering on the black text, because otherwise the white Computer screen showed up in his glasses as a reflection, uh, and um, I couldn't rely on him to advance it because otherwise you would have seen him searching the mouse to find a place to advance, huh. and it really would have come out you know, looking pretty bad.
0: If only uh, this stuff started in 2014, because they had... I mean, you could use an iPad for that, have the kit. Yeah. I've done it, so... Yeah.
1: I was, I was doing it manually before all that stuff was invented. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So that's, that's how uh, I did Father Taft. The others that I've done uh, in a similar fashion, uh, Father Lawrence Cross uh, actually came and was visiting from Australia and we spent three days and he essentially read his book uh, or books. I I think I've recorded three of his books. Um, of him just reading the book from the computer screen and we video recorded him. Uh, Father Justin Rose, uh, I did him uh, out in his parish uh, with the uh, explanatory notes for his series on uh, evangelization and scripture. Uh, so that's one of our EE packages. And there's another one um, that we did, I did with uh, Father uh, Maximus Davies, uh, a monk of the Romanian Eastern Catholic Diocese that's now in Wisconsin, they were out in California when they started. I went out to visit them for a weekend. Uh, I recorded him talking about sin, uh, and then in the liturgy, we asked for forgiveness from knowable sins and unknowable sins, the sins that we commit. Uh, that we don't even know about. And uh, he uh, explained some samples of that and uh, so the the recordings were done uh, sort of in the sitting room of their monastery at the time Uh, and then I also recorded all of their prayer services for the whole weekend of the Divine Office. And so I think another AE package is Weekend at the Monastery. where all of the the prayer services uh, for uh, the daily office and then the weekend liturgy and Vespers, uh, I've recorded everything in their little chapel. And uh, so that's, I think, another one of the AE packages. So I've done a variety of them. So other AE packages that I made uh, are from various trips and liturgies uh, that uh, I've either done on my own or with a small group or a large group. So there's a bunch of pilgrimages, and then I think I also put in the AE group uh, the recordings I made of the seminary choirs that came on concert tour. So there's a wide range of things that we called AE, and now the AE numbering system is essentially everything OLTV does goes into some sort of a package. (laughs) Um, And they're now all becoming available on uh, our podcasts, Uh, that we're doing here, uh, as well as the OLTV uh, YouTube channel and OLTV streaming video uh, that can be reached at www.oltv.tv. Yes.
0: Well, that's a lot of packages for everybody to listen to and watch. So I think we've got a lot of stuff that Keep everybody uh, on their toes for what's coming. Is there anything yeah,
1: else? It, and, and it seems like there's enough going on that I get, I I, I produce uh, two to four new AE packages every year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, of course, with the passing of Metroval Calistos and Father Taft, uh, what I have is what I have. Uh, but hopefully there's going to be some new faces come onto the scene uh, and uh, we'll be uh, maybe uh, getting the opportunity to record them in a formal setting. Yes. That'd be great.
0: Well, is there anything else?
1: I think that's it. It covers all the AE package stuff.
0: (laughs) All right. Well then, everybody who stuck around, thank you for listening to this episode of Jack's Corner. Next week, it is, uh, just everything that is coming, uh, specifically uh, the conferences, plenaries, liturgies, and seminary choir stuff. Um, besides that, thank you all for listening, and have a great rest of your day. God bless.